0: Welcome back to the Bama Online Podcast. This one, a Sunday morning coming down edition of the show. Travis Ryer, senior analyst for BOL, with you on the program. We've got a lot to get into on this Sunday, February the 20th, 2022. Obviously, some men's basketball talk following the Crimson Tides 90 to 81 defeat at the hands of the fourth-ranked Kentucky Wildcats up in the bluegrass on Saturday at Rupp Arena, and we'll delve back into our positional rankings for Alabama National Championship teams in the Nick Saban era at the University of Alabama. It's been a perfect weekend, by the way, for Alabama softball and baseball to this point, with the softball team getting a couple of top ten wins over Virginia Tech on Friday and Saturday to go along with victories over Evansville and Middle Tennessee, Three games against top ten opponents so far this season for Patrick Murphy's team. Three shutouts from pitchers Montana Fouts and Lexi Kilfoyle. Allie Shipman, the transfer from Tennessee, coming up big the last couple of days as the transfer catcher, a couple home runs, and just some clutch performances for this Alabama team. Alabama will wrap up the Bama bash later on Sunday with a game against Middle Tennessee. Meanwhile, Alabama baseball going for a sweep of Xavier at the Joe later this afternoon. Alabama with a pair of 5-4 wins over the visitors from Cincinnati to open the series. So the series itself has been clinched. Now it's a matter of can Alabama break out the brooms on Sunday. It hasn't been easy these first couple of days for Brad Bohannon's club. You had the late game drama at the plate. Walk-off fashion for Alabama in a 5-4 win on Friday. And then you had to close things out. A little bit of a harrowing experience from that perspective in Game 2 on Saturday. Coming up this next week for Alabama, you're going to have a couple of midweek games against in-state opponents on Tuesday and Wednesday. Before Alabama takes to the road, should be a very interesting series in Austin next week as the Crimson Tide takes on the Texas Longhorns. As promised, wanted to get into some Alabama men's basketball talk following the Crimson Tide's nine-point defeat at Kentucky on Saturday afternoon. Hey, looked pretty good there for a while. You got exactly the start you needed, hot from three to open the game. Jaden Shackelford comes out. Two guys that win a combined 0-for-13 midweek from three in the win over Mississippi State do exactly what you want them to do to open the game. They rid themselves of those aforementioned collars, knocked down some threes. Keon Ellis does so on his way to a career-high 28 points, including a 7-of-11 performance from three-point range. Ultimately, though, Kentucky with just a couple of knockout-caliber runs, the first one 11-0 to close out the first half. Alabama had played so well, and you look up, and it's Kentucky by a point at the half. That was pretty discouraging if you're an Alabama fan. And then a 20-2 stretch for Kentucky there in the second half. Missed opportunity for Alabama with Kentucky's top two players on the ball sitting this one out. And we'll get into three predictions from Friday that we had for this game at BamaOnline.com to sort of review what we saw on Saturday. And that first prediction on Friday was that Alabama's starting backcourt would outscore Kentucky's and went into this game thinking Ty Ty Washington, the outstanding freshman for Kentucky, was likely or a strong possibility anyway to sit the game out. And that's exactly what happened. But then you also find out Severe Wheeler is out for the game. So between those two players, you're talking about 22 points per game on the sideline for Kentucky. Meanwhile, Ellis and his 28. Combined with a 24-point performance from Jaden Shackelford and Javon Quinterly, Alabama got 52 points from its top three guards in the game. And for Kentucky, Davion Mintz, the transfer from Creighton, thrust into the starting lineup, he ends up playing 39 minutes for Kentucky, which went with more of a three-forward approach with Washington and Wheeler out. Mintz and Kellen Grady had just two turnovers between them, And Grady goes for 25 on seven of nine from three-point range. Mets with seven points in the game. And then you had six-foot-seven wing Keon Brooks with 18 points and eight rebounds. So depending on how you look at Brooks, do you look at him as a perimeter player? Do you look at him as more of a forward? I guess either way, you could say this was a wash as far as backcourt scoring. Alabama by the edge of a couple of points – Ultimately, and for Kentucky with Wheeler and Ty Ty Washington out, you had just nine minutes between four Kentucky reserves in terms of playing time. So very much an Iron Five approach for Big Blue as Alabama one bench scoring by a total of twenty to six. Prediction number two for Alabama Kentucky Charles Bediako will not outscore Oscar Shibway in the game. And in going for 21 points and 14 rebounds on Saturday, Shibway was Shibway. The good news for Betty Ako is that he still hasn't missed a shot from the field against Kentucky. He went three for three on Saturday after making all four of his shots against the Cats a few weeks ago. You were productive in the post in some ways with Noah Gurley coming off the bench with 12 points and 18 minutes of action. Now, When you take 43s in a game like Alabama did on Saturday, you're probably not going to get fouled much, and UK was called for just seven of those in the game. Meanwhile, Kentucky got to the line a good bit more than Alabama did, finishing plus eight from the stripe on the afternoon. Alabama, as far as points in the paint are concerned, kept it to a manageable deficit in the first meeting. It was plus four for Kentucky a couple of weekends ago in that regard, but... At 36-24 to in round two, this was a clean win in the paint for the Wildcats this time around. Ultimately, Shibway, Brooks, Jacob Toppin combined for 52 points, 28 rebounds, and without the 11.2 assists per game Kentucky gets from Wheeler and Washington, the trio produced eight assists from post-type players, front-court-type players for the Kentucky Wildcats. Prediction number three that we had for Alabama and Kentucky. Alabama will score more than 55 points in the game. And they kind of figured that after a season low double nickels against Kentucky and Tuscaloosa a couple of weeks ago, that wasn't going to happen again. You know, Alabama has now lost 10 games on the season. Three of those have come in games in which the Crimson Tide scored more than 80 points. Alabama a year ago didn't lose a game in which it scored more than 80 points. And it's great to see Keon and Shaq respond favorably to rough offensive performances against Mississippi State. But then Javon Quinterly, after going for 21-8 and eight against the Bulldogs, goes back to a subpar scoring performance that included 0-4 for 4 from 3. And still, with all that said, it wasn't so much about the offensive struggles in Lexington – 81 points, 14 threes. Those sound really good, but when the other guys shoot 53% from the field, including 64% from three, and nearly 80% from the free throw line, you're probably not going to win too many of those kind of games. And look, Kentucky did what a top five team is supposed to do when it is shorthanded. UK is clearly worthy of a one seed, especially if we're talking about Kansas being on that line in the latest seating reveal because you don't have to harken back too far to recall the thumping Kentucky put on Kansas in Lawrence just a short time back. And with all that being said, it's on to Nashville Tuesday for a matchup with the Vanderbilt Commodores at Memorial Gymnasium. Vandy improving. Vandy with a win over Texas A&M on Saturday. Memorial Gymnasium has been a house of horrors for Alabama in the past, but need to remember, Alabama has won two straight up there in four of the last five in the series. As far as SEC play is concerned, with the win over Alabama on Saturday, Kentucky tightens things up in the league standings because Auburn fell on the road at Florida. I saw a stat, incredible stat, Auburn has not won in Gainesville since 1996 and the Gators get it done one more time against the nation's number two ranked team this time around. How about Florida fans rushing the court after the game? Arkansas did it too after beating Auburn. That just doesn't strike me as right. And I'm not trying to be scream at the sky, old guy, but we're talking about teams and programs that have won national championships rushing the court against a program that Never has. I don't know. Hey, each their own, I guess. But again, when you look at the SEC league standings, Auburn still in first place at twelve and two in the conference. Kentucky now at eleven and three. You have Arkansas and Tennessee tied for third at ten and four. And then you have Alabama in a gaggle of four teams: LSU, Alabama, Florida, South Carolina. All at 7-7, seven and seven. some of this is going to play out over the final two weeks of the regular season, especially when you look at it from Alabama's point of view. As far as South Carolina and LSU are concerned, Alabama will see South Carolina in Tuscaloosa next Saturday. Alabama will close the regular season with a trip to Baton Rouge to take on LSU on March the 5th. And of course, again, Vanderbilt coming up on Tuesday. That's going to be an 8 p.m. Central tip on the SEC network. And then Alabama's final midweek game of the season, of the regular season, Texas A&M visits Coleman Coliseum on March the 2nd. And as far as potential SEC seeding goes with the tournament, Alabama in a pretty good spot with those four teams that it's tied with right now having a win over Florida earlier in the season, also a win over LSU. So another opportunity coming up over these final four games for the Crimson Tide to get the 10, maybe 11 SEC wins before Tampa. All right, who wants to delve back into our positional ranking series for national championship teams at Alabama under Nick Saban? I do. So let's go ahead. Let's get back into it. We've already done safeties. We've done quarterbacks. We've done inside linebackers, running backs, wide receivers. All of those great reasons why, if you haven't already, you should subscribe to the BAM online podcast. Because if you were subscribed to the pod and you had missed maybe some or all of some of those position ranking updates in various pods that we've done, you'd be able to go to your podcast library and there we would be. The Bama Online Podcast, ready to go. So if you would do that, we would greatly appreciate it. As well as a rating and a review of the podcast, we would certainly... Thank you for that as well. What we're going to do today, we're going to do the outside linebackers. And as we've done with previous rankings in this series, we'll go from six to one. And then we'll also have some thoughts on some non-national championship outside linebacker rooms in the Nick Saban era at Alabama. And so we start at number six. And coming in in that spot, we have the 2012 group. Adrian Hubbard, Xavier Dixon, Denzel Duvall. Those were your primary players at outside linebacker 10 years ago. Crazy to say, isn't it? Hubbard led Alabama in sacks in 2012 with seven. He also led the Crimson Tide in tackles for loss with 11. Xavier Dixon, three and a half sacks, five tackles for loss. So we start things off in the sixth spot with 2012 coming in in the five spot. This is a group that if it had stayed healthy from start to finish in 2017, may have made, I don't think there's any may have made to it, would have made a very strong case for the top spot among national championship outside linebacker rooms in the Nick Saban era at Alabama. Instead, Christian Miller and Terrell Lewis, as we recall, both injured in the season-opening win over Florida State in Atlanta that season. Christian Miller played in just four games in 2017. Terrell Lewis played in just five, both those guys, it was really late in the season until we saw them again. There was a lot of Anthony Jennings in 2017, some Jamie Mosley, some Dylan Moses as a true freshman. Dylan actually had to work between outside and inside linebackers because you had so many injuries to both those positions in 2017. Rashawn Evans was primarily an inside linebacker, but you could leave him out on the field and dime Uh, and play with him as a pass rusher uh, in that sort of role back in 2017. So as much as anything, it was just injuries that kept the 2017 group from ranking far higher on this list than five. At number four, this may seem a little low to some Alabama fans, but 2011, Courtney Upshaw, Alex Watkins, Xavier Dixon – You know, when you think about it in terms of Dime Rabbits personnel, 2011 could leave Dante Hightower on the field in Dime to go along with Courtney Upshaw and then come with C.J. Mosley. That's a pretty stout trio. So if you want to make an argument for this group to be higher than four, even if it's simply because, well, that damn 2011 defense was one for all time, I'm here for it. I'll listen to that. Courtney Upshaw in 2011, 52 total tackles, 9.5 sacks, 10 quarterback hurries. Number three, this may be a little higher than some people would have figured in this ranking, but I went with 2009, Eric Anders, Corey Reamer, Courtney Upshaw. Eric Anders, for a guy that Nick Saban never would have recruited, as we know, Eric Anders, a holdover from the Mike Shula era, Great, great season in 2009. 65 total tackles, five sacks, 13 tackles for loss. He had three and a half TFLs against Auburn down on the Plains in 2009. He had the strip sack of Garrett Gilbert in the BCS National Championship game win over Texas. You look at sack numbers and really just tackles for loss numbers for that 2009 defense, well, certainly Rolando McClain is up there at the top in TFLs, but in sacks, Marcel Darius with six and a half. Javier Arenas with five sacks. And given that Javi was utilized as a blitzer a good bit from the star position in the nickel and dime packages, maybe not a huge surprise to see a somewhat diminutive defensive back with five sacks in 2009. Courtney Upshaw with a sack. And you had Corey Reamer with a couple of sacks. And as we recall in 2009, we talked about this in connection with the inside linebacker position rankings a week or so ago. Reamer was needed inside to go along with Rolando McClain. Once you saw Dante Hightower go down for the remainder of the season, I believe it was week four against Arkansas. He took that cut block in Tuscaloosa, blew his knee out. You had Corey Reamer helping out inside as well to go along with what he was doing at strong side linebackers. So, in the three spot, we go 2009. 2020 checks in at number two. Will Anderson is a true freshman. Christopher Allen really coming into his own a season ago. Christopher with 13 tackles for loss and six sacks in 2020. Will Anderson, 10.5 tackles for loss, seven sacks, 13-game season, remember, Yes, Alabama ran the table on its way to a national championship, but it was a 13-game season instead of 15. So you take that into account, but big finish to the second half of that season for Will Anderson. As you might recall, Will was painfully, uh, agonizingly close to some sacks in the first half of that season. Started to really get home over the back half of the 2020 season. And so... 2020 checks in at number two. Number one on our list of outside linebacker rooms for Nick Saban's six national championship teams at Alabama, we went 2015. Tim Williams, Ryan Anderson, Rashawn Evans early in his career, Dylan Lee, Denzel Duvall. Tim Williams with 12.5 tackles for loss. 10.5 Ten and a half sacks in 2015. Ryan Anderson, 11 tackles for loss. Six sacks, Rashawn Evans, four sacks. You might remember that 2015 game at Mississippi State. I'm sure Dak Prescott has tried many times to uh, erase that one from the memory bank because Dak was sacked nine times in Starkville by Alabama. Alabama in 2015 with a Saban era at the time high of 52 sacks. So to recap, 6-2012, 5-2017, 4-2011, 3-2009, 2-2020, won 2015. And what about some of these non-national championship teams at Alabama when you consider the outside linebacker positions? 2007, Keith Saunders starting at the jack position. Kind of an amazing stat or two for Keith in 2007 in that in 13 games, he did not have a sack or a tackle for loss. Now, Ezekiel Knight did have 11 tackles for loss and three sacks. And so much of the negative play production in Nick Saban's first year on the job came from Wallace Gilberry from the defensive end position. Wallace with 27 tackles for loss and 10 sacks. And those were numbers that I wondered if another Saban-era defender would come close to until, well, the 2021 season when Will Anderson – smashed both of those 2008 Brandon Fanny at the jack position nine tackles for loss and a sack you also had Corey Reamer Eric Anders Courtney Upshaw as a true freshman in that mix 2010 you had Courtney Upshaw and Alex Watkins primarily as your top two guys on the outside Courtney with 14.5 tackles for loss seven sacks and of course, he damn near killed Kirk Cousins in the blowout of Michigan State to cap that 2010 uh, season. And Courtney and that defense really utilized that game as a springboard into a dominant, dominant 2011. 2013, Adrian Hubbard, Denzel Duvall, Ryan Anderson, Xavier Dixon. Just 22 sacks for Alabama. In 2013, 2014, Xavier Dixon, kind of one of these low key guys at the outside linebacker position, nine sacks, 12 and a half tackles for loss, 10 quarterback hurries. That's solid. Ryan Anderson had eight tackles for loss, three sacks. Also had Tim Williams, Denzel Duvall in that group. And this is when Anderson really started to take off, really saw him move into 15 and 16 and become more and more of a dominant player. Same pretty much true for Tim Williams as well. Speaking of that duo, 2016, Anderson and Williams combined for 35 tackles for loss. Both had nine sacks in that 2016 season. Ryan Anderson also forced four fumbles. Williams forced two. Anderson had 10 quarterback hurries. Williams had 12 quarterback hurries. So I would say, pretty safe to say, other than maybe 2021, when you talk about non-national championship outside linebacker rooms in the Nick Saban era, you'd have to put that 2016 group right there at the top of the list. 2018, Christian Miller with 8.5 sacks, 11.5 tackles for loss. Anthony Jennings, 13 tackles for loss, 5.5 sacks. Pretty impressive considering for Anthony, he was coming off that late-season injury, as you'll recall, against Clemson in the Sugar Bowl win that sidelined him for the national championship game win over the Georgia Bulldogs, Uh, Jennings also in 2018 had 11 pass breakups. That's incredible for an outside linebacker who really wasn't dropping a ton into coverage, but most of that coming as a pass rusher. Christian Miller in 2018 had 12 quarterback hurries to go along with his eight and a half sacks. 2019, you had Anthony Jennings and Terrell Lewis together. Those guys were pretty much the guys at the outside linebacker spots. Anthony was the every down guy. And Terrell, you would see more and more as an every down guy as the season wore on. Uh, but together, Jennings and Lewis with a combined 24 tackles for loss, 14 sacks, and 24 quarterback hurries in 2019. And then, of course, the 2021 group, Ryan Anderson, excuse me, Will Anderson, the Andersons have it at the outside linebacker position for Alabama, it seems. Will Anderson, 33-and-a-half tackles for loss, 17-and-a-half sacks. Dallas Turner, with much of this, if not all of this, over the second half of the season, eight and a half sacks, 10 tackles for loss. You had the Christopher Allen injury early in the season. Drew Sanders stepped in. He had an injury that opened the door for Dallas Turner to get in there and do his thing you think about the numbers for Anderson as great as they are and you ponder the possibilities had Christopher Allen stayed healthy not just in terms of what Allen's numbers might have looked like but how Anderson's numbers might have been even better with a uh, with a healthy Christopher Allen going wire to wire at the other outside linebacker position well there you go There is your latest installment to the position room rankings for national championship teams at Alabama under Nick Saban. Hope you enjoyed it. It's been a lot of fun on the latest edition of the Bama Online Podcast. Once again, if you haven't subscribed to the pod already, we certainly hope you'll do that. Leave us a rating and a review. That would help us out tremendously as well. And, of course, you want to keep it locked. To BamaOnline.com for all things Crimson Tide, Charlie Potter, Tim Watts, Hank South, Kirk McNair, myself. We're going to do our best on a daily basis to keep you as informed and occasionally, perhaps even entertained with us there at BamaOnline.com. Travis Ryer thanking you once again. And until next time, so long, everybody.